I'm sure you saw reports over the weekend from Colorado Springs of a truly uh, horrific tragedy. Club Q, a Colorado nightclub that had been a safe haven for members of the LGBTQ community in the community of Colorado Springs, was the scene of a mass shooting. Five people were killed. Another 17 suffered gunshot wounds before patrons managed to tackle and beat the suspect into submission. Now, Jericho Lovell uh, was a survivor of the attack. Here's how he describes it. I wasn't sure what was happening at very first until I saw the flashes and everything around me start to shatter and break and people dropping. I know two that I saw when I saw them. There was two keeping him down and making sure he couldn't do any more harm. Well, one of those two, we understand, was Army veteran Rich Fierro. When he realized a gunman was spraying bullets inside the club, he had gathered there with friends and family. Instincts from his military training kicked in. Fierro was, again, one of two people police are crediting with saving lives by subduing the 22-year-old suspect who'd gone on that shooting rampage at the nightclub in Colorado Springs. He says uh, he was there with his daughter and her boyfriend and several other friends to see a drag show and celebrate a birthday. He says he was trying to protect his family. I'm a human and I'm not, I'm not, you know, nobody here is, is like the Hulk. I'm not here to do damage, you know, and do all that stuff. I'm just a dude who's trying to keep his kid alive. The suspect in the attack is being held on preliminary charges of murder and hate crimes. And of course, it brings back memories of other shootings, both recent uh, in America, whether it be Uvalde or Buffalo or so on, but also specifically of a truly horrific one at a nightclub in Orlando, Florida, six years ago now, the Pulse nightclub, you may remember that one. 49 people were killed, dozens more were injured. And despite calls to end hate crimes and gun violence, there have been, again, other high-profile attacks since that one, including this most recent one in Colorado Springs. Joining me now is Barbara Poma. She's owner of the Pulse nightclub in Orlando and founder of something called the One Pulse Foundation. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me tonight. Barbara, this must have been tough. I mean, I I imagine, I think a lot of people, the moment this attack happened in Colorado Springs, immediately thought of Pulse. Oh, I imagine they did. I mean, for us here in Orlando, waking up on a Sunday morning, you know, six and a half years later, to that news was just, um, it just really brought you right back uh, into that trauma state and just disbelief and sadness and, and then anger, really. Yeah, you got together, I understand, over the weekend to, to to lend your support from afar. Yes, we held a vigil at the Pulse Nightclub Inter Memorial um, to gather our community together, to give people a place to speak, a place to hold each other up, um, because we found that, you know, that, that is what really held us up during um, the time of our trauma. And some even after when Parkland happened here in Florida, we gathered there. So there's just times when, you know, being together as a community is the best way to lift each other up and support one another. What happens? I mean, we, we, we especially from afar, when you're in another country, I mean, we're across the border, we're not too far away, but, it, you know, sometimes what, what unfolds in America can feel somewhat far away. What has been the mood uh, within even the community with, around the Pulse nightclub with this latest attack in Colorado Springs? Because I know each one of these must... Um, must remind you that there's a lot more fighting to be done. That's exactly what it does. I mean, we we think about where we are today, and we think that we are still having the same conversations we started having six and a half years ago. I mean, this 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 hateful violence and this acts of just uh, against humanity and it being uh, killing people. I mean, killing people. Um, 
because you don't agree with their life or you don't agree with how they love. I mean, it is just completely um, mind-blowing that we're still having this conversation six years later. And it's something that, you know, really at this point in time empowers us. We are are tired of having this conversation, but we're also getting refueled to make sure that we stay stronger and keep our voices heard and keep fighting this fight to make sure that these perfect acts stop. Yeah, because when I think back to 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 Pulse, when I remember first hearing about it when it happened, and thinking, "Wow, that can never happen again." You know, that's exactly that's as bad that's yeah. as bad as it like it it can't get worse than that. Um, what was it like <laughs> for you there? Yeah, it's exactly what it felt like when I when we woke up um, just on Sunday morning here. I just thought, "Not not again. This could not be happening again." Like we're doing this again, you know, and um, we haven't. You know, it hasn't unfolded yet. This the motive of the shooter, um, and you know, he has been released from the hospital. So we are anxious to hopefully hear that what his motive was. The motive at the Pulse nightclub shooting at at, at Pulse was was a terrorist attack, um, and so it was in, it's still fueled by hate, but very different. Um, not necessarily against the LGBTQ community, although that's who was murdered that night. Um, and let's, let's call it what it is: it's a murder. They're hate crimes, and, and people are losing their lives every day. Um, here and across the country, if it's not, you know, I know that in America, it mostly seems like it's from, you know, guns here and assault rifles, but other countries, there's bombs and knifings and other things happening. But we've we've got to get this conversation of hate under control and start to unify our society. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like sometimes the divisiveness and the rhetoric, again, we see it in politics, we certainly see it on social media, uh, but there, there's a sense that the divisiveness we see um, out there is leading to these. I mean, it can't be solely to blame for these sorts of things, but that it is in sort of exacerbating an already tense situation. Of course it is. I mean, you, you know, you're inundated on your social media, you're inundated on all kinds of news channels. Um, and this hateful rhetoric is out there. It's, it's misinformation. It's disinformation, um, such about the trans community and the gay community. And so it leads people to be filled with, this kind of anger, and of course, it, it it shouldn't. You should be able to have an opinion without it costing a life. But for some reason, people feel empowered to use violence to defend how they feel about something. And I don't, I don't really know when society took that turn that you just couldn't agree to disagree. Um, but it has, and you know, it, it happened to us, and now it's happened there in Colorado Springs. And it, it's just, it's just amazing that we could be in the same position now. For those of us not in the States, has there been a change in the rhetoric over the last little while? It feels like it's gotten more toxic. It does. I mean, it is more toxic today than it was six and a half years ago. Uh, and, and that's what's really crazy. And that's what makes the work of the foundation so important. Uh, it makes it even more relevant, sadly more relevant today, um, that we are doing the work we're doing to make sure that we talk about educating our society and our individuals and, and, and groups and what it means to other people, and what it means to teach about belonging and acceptance. And so I think that, you know, at, at Pulse now, if you come, to, if you ever get to come to Orlando and visit the memorial, you'll feel that there. And when we build our education center in a few years, you'll um, hopefully we'll be able to start changing the world and, and bridging those gaps between people and letting them go back to some civility and having some good conversations and, and just agreeing to disagree. I think we have to find a way to stop this rhetoric and, and for, for, for all news media, to, to stop basing their opinions and then making them facts. It's just, it's killing people. It's literally killing people. And Florida has felt like one of the front lines in all this as well. Yes. 
Absolutely. This community is completely, the LGBTQ community has been on the front lines for, for years. It's always been a target, and, and they were just making it you know, more and more obviously a target by making it an everyday conversation of something that people should not be for. And accepting just, except just learning how to accept people and letting people love who they love and be who they are. To everyone who was there in Colorado Springs when this happened, to everyone who frequents Club Q, we love you. We will not let your place of sanctity and solitude be ripped away from you. That was uh, Leslie Harrod, who's a Colorado State Representative, speaking uh, last night about um, two, uh, both the victims and the survivors of an attack on the um, Club Q in Colorado Springs, which she, of course, referred to as a sanctuary for the LGBTQ community, as was the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. And out of that tragedy, uh, Barbara Poma is the owner of the Pulse nightclub. She's also the founder of the One Pulse Foundation. Uh, Barbara, tell me, bring me back to those days in 2016 when you decided that something positive had to emerge from such a such a horrific incident. My decision, uh, thank you for having me back. Um, my decision to not reopen Pulse came shortly after the building was returned to me from the FBI and I had to go inside with them. And so when I entered the building, uh, I knew immediately that to me Pulse had was gone, the Pulse that we knew, um, and that spirit had, had, had been destroyed and what had been replaced a very, very heavy sacred feeling and that I felt that the space was immediately a sacred space and that we should not reopen or dance in there ever again. And so I made the decision to not reopen the club and to build a memorial there um, to honor the 49 lives that were taken that night and the hundreds who were affected and for a morning LGBTQ global community because the entire world lit up in rainbow covers after the Pulse shooting. I'm, I'm sure you remember um, the Eiffel yeah. Tower and the Opera House in Australia and, you know, it list goes on and on. Uh, the whole world lit up for us. So, I knew that I had to create a memorial there, and, and so that's what, um, right now, there's an interim design, and there's a permanent design that will be built um, at the, where the Pulse nightclub sits today. But I also felt like it was more than that. Like, I felt like I just didn't want what happened there to be erased. Um, just last year, President Biden um, de- nationally designated the memorial as a national monument, so that is a very big uh, deal for us here in the United States. There's only two LGBTQ-plus nationally rec- recognized monuments, uh, us and Stonewall in New York City. And still but I also wanted to, yeah, Stonewall. And so I, I wanted to create an education center. I wanted to build a place that people could come from all over the world and not just experience about what June 12th was, was, was about, but also what this entire LGBTQ community history looks like, its successes, its setbacks, the joy of Pulse, the joy of LGBTQ plus safe spaces and coming out stories. Um, and then ultimately... You know, seeing the response from the world because it was so um, incredible, and then finally having a place where you can do you know podcasts and talk about difficult conversations and topics, and that'll change all the time. So, you know, the museum aspect of what we're building, which is not on the same site, it's about a third of a mile down the street, is meant to be a place for the world to come. And Florida and Orlando specifically is the most visited city in our country. So we receive over seventy-six million million visitors a year there here, and. Uh, so it gives us a great platform to um, educate people um, about what belonging and othering and becoming is and a place to, to address these topics. Yeah, I think one so often thinks of Orlando as being sort of, you know, Disney and, and uh, Islands of Adventure, right? And it's um, and it, it changed that day, I think, for a lot of us. We, we associated 
Orlando with what had happened, but also now looking back at, at what you've built. Um, it's, it's interesting that you've, how's the reaction been to what you've been doing? Because it's not easy to get everyone on side when you're trying to build a memorial or build something good out of something bad. No, it's not an easy task. And, and you know, I had uh, very good mentors. I reached out to the teams in, at 9-11 in New York City and the team in Oklahoma City and the National Memorial Museum were the site of the bombing um, many years ago. And so both of those organizations have helped and guided the foundation on how to do this. And one of the things they told us is that you will never have 100% consensus. No public project does. I mean, even if someone was building a performing arts center or a you know, place for basketball games, you know, there are always is going to be opposition. So while we would love to have every single family member and survivor with us on the journey, um, not, not all of them are, and not all of them are in the other cases around the country either. But we have an overwhelming majority, and that's what, you know, we, we, we have polled our community over and over and over again, and the community wants this memorial. Um, and so it's, it's, the memorial itself is not an issue for many people. It's the museum. But I try to think about the museum as something that's going to be here long after we're all gone and not here to tell a story anymore. Um, should the story just go away once we're, this generation has died, died and moved on? So, you know, I think that yeah. it just takes a, a little bigger vision to see what, what we're looking for to change generations for, to come. Yeah, because, I mean, even in my case as a reporter, so often awful things happen somewhere and they're destroyed. They're torn down. They're, they're, they disappear. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a little plaque, maybe. But not often, not always. So it's it's remarkable to try and build a lasting monument to what happened as a reminder of both why it happened, when it happened, who was impacted, but also what could be learned from it. Exactly. And that's the point is I just wanted to do something to the, make this community be represented and not erased because it's so often erased. I don't know if you remember the story of Matthew Shepard many years ago, mm-hmm. yeah. a young, amazing man who was you know, beaten, murdered, and left to die at a fence post in Laramie, Wyoming. And if you go there today, that fence post has been removed. The bar he had his last beer has been erased. And so there's, you know, they have all but erased the story of Matthew Shepard already in Wyoming. In, in our lifetime, he, was, he lived, died, and, and, and the only federal hate crime legislation that his parents fought for is the only legislation in our country, and that state has already erased him. And so I wanted to make sure that that didn't happen in Orlando and that they'd yeah. be, these 49 lives would be honored forever. Yeah, Boys Don't Cry, I think, was the movie. I, I, remember, I remember it well. Um, but when you look at what happened in Colorado Springs, clearly it's a very complicated issue in America, right? It's, it's, you know, I've been reading so much over the past few days that this is, at, at its very essence, a gun issue to some extent. Um, what mm-hmm. do you hope to see change now uh, and i guess you just keep on crying from the rooftops right that this has to stop we do it with every shooting it was every shooting i remember sandy hook um the murder and the you know the the mm-hmm. attack that was in connecticut that killed all those beautiful young children um i remember then that when they didn't pass gun legislation then i thought if they didn't if those little baby coffins didn't didn't make people change their, their stance on gun laws nothing will and it's it's been that way. And so I think after every every single time there is a mass shooting, we have that moment like this is going to be it. I mean, I thought for sure after Parkland, when those, those our students here in Florida rose up and marched all over this country, that there'd be change and it didn't happen. And so then Uvalde comes. And so I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, can, I just I can reiterate every single shooting and, and the hope that came from every single one of them that we would find change in legislation. And I don't. 
I, I think people need to get off their soapbox that it's either no guns or all guns. It's, it's not that. We're talking about common sense. You know, I, my family hunts. You know, it's generations of hunters on my husband's side. We are, we are responsible gun owners. Do we own an automatic rifle of any kind? No. Do we own anything that could make any of our guns automatic? No. Do we own magazines that hold, you know, an crazy amount of bullets? Absolutely not. Those are not things that civilians should be having. This is just common sense. You know, this yeah, is, we're not asking to take away every single gun. We're just saying at least minimize the damage, minimize the accessibility, um, and why there's no, you know, our country is so far behind in mental health. Um, and so there's just so many ways that they could minimize and it, more than just weapons, right? And it's just loopholes and access and mental health. Just so many things. Well, Barbara, congratulations on the memorial, on building something positive out of something so um, tragic. And yeah, I hope we don't have to speak again uh, anytime soon for another Club Q. Uh, one keeps one's fingers crossed at all times, right? Yes. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. It's okay. Thank you for having me. Have a great evening. You too.